Before we get started with today's show, I wanted to tell you about another great podcast. ESPN and Anscape contributor Dominique Foxworth has a new podcast every Tuesday and Thursday, bringing his unique perspective on football, the personalities around it, and just about anything else he finds interesting or thinks you might. So check out the Dominique Foxworth Show. Listen where you are listening to this podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Right Time. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcast. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. Coming up on this episode of The Right Time, we're going to talk about Draymond Green's apology and where the Warriors go from there. But first... All right, man. We are five weeks into the NFL season. I guess we're not all the way five weeks in. There's a Monday night game uh, worth paying attention to. But, you know, we'll just call it five weeks. And we are officially at that point where I am left with the question. Who is actually good? Or, you know, who is bad? It's kind of the same question, but that's where we are here. Because the thing about the NFL and how it all goes is it's early but early does typically wind up telling us a lot, right? Like if a team is not good at this point, they're just probably not good, right? That's just kind of how this thing goes. But who knows? Somebody can like get miraculous with it and then pull everything off. But it is not just right now about whether or not the teams that we are discussing are actually good. We've also got to deal with like individual players. Me and Dominique been on Tom Brady watch, right? We just like, yo, we're going to come back at week six. We're going to make a decision about what Tom Brady was. I've been kind of holding off. Dominique was ready to throw him overboard early. I'm like, nah, let's give it a little time. Let's give it a little time. But uh, Gabe, I guess you live out there on the West Coast. So there was no chance that you were waking up to watch uh, the Tally Hobo over there um, in London. I guess the, the first installment of the Tally Hobo. We wasn't, you know, we wasn't doing that one. It, and I think they had a stat uh, they read during the game that this was the first time in 32 Tally Hobos that both teams had winning records. Yeah, usually that matchup is not of our best and brightest. No, 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 no. Like, it's actually amazing that they keep asking us to come over there and keep giving us this football. Like, if the plan was try to get Europe on board with football, you would think that we would actually give them some halfway decent football. Typically, we don't do that. And look, they gave them two winning teams or teams with winning records, but we didn't actually, like, for real, give them good football this time either. Uh, It was the Giants versus the Packers. Oh, you know what it was? The Giants of New York versus the Packers of Green Bay. Yes, yes, yes. We had that. that so maybe this is less the Zamunda, I mean, the Tallaho Bowl than it is the Zamunda Bowl. Maybe that, that is what we should call this, the Prince Akeem Classic. That's what this was. But anyway, we got the game. Shout out to you, Daniel Jones. He actually played pretty well. Um, Giants fans are weird, man. I watched the game earlier this year, and I said on Twitter, like, oh, okay, y'all told me that Daniel Jones had gotten good. And I had all these Giants fans jumping in being like, who told you he got good? He'd been sorry forever. He was born sorry. His mama sorry. His daddy sorry. Like they just went through and just told me all the different ways that he was sorry. And then the other wave of Giants fans came in and it was just the full on, oh, you're not giving him enough credit. They won a game. Um, I already forgot to get about who they, oh, it was the Bears. They beat the Bears and Daniel Jones threw for 71 yards and I had people trying to check me. 
Like, what you going to say about Daniel Jones? And I was like, oh, my bad. I didn't realize I didn't give him enough credit for 71 yards. And, hey, it was a tough man performance, right? Hurt his ankle, goes out. Terod comes in, gets concussed because he just can't come in a game without suffering a debilitating injury. You know, you bring Daniel Jones back in, and he played pretty well over there um, across the pond. But let me tell you who didn't. Your friend and mine, Aaron Rodgers. Now, this is one of those that's interesting, at least for me with Aaron Rodgers. And we got a couple other guys that I think fall into a similar category. But Aaron Rodgers is out there for Dolo, right? There's not a lot for him to work with in terms of throwing the ball. They got dudes that can run it. They don't have a lot going on in terms of dudes who can catch the ball. That's not his fault. But he looked old in this game. And what I mean by him looking old is that he couldn't make it happen throwing deep. And the Aaron Rodgers thing, and this is something I said when it looked like, you know, two, three years ago, when it looked like he was falling off a bit. When it comes for Aaron Rodgers, it's going to come, and it might be fairly swift because so much of his game is predicated off of athletic ability. And so once the athletic ability starts to decline, the margins are that are typically fairly thin for the guys whose game leans in on the athleticism, right? It's him throwing on the move. It's him having quite possibly the best throwing arm that I've ever seen. It's all of those things. But man, if all he can do is nickel and dime you and he can't really make it happen on the deep passes, ooh, 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 is is Aaron Rodgers good? Like, where are the Packers? You can say that he misses Devontae Adams, and he certainly does miss Devontae Adams. But I ain't feel like what I saw out there with those dudes was something that could be fixed by one wide receiver. On top of that, I'm looking at Devontae Adams over there with uh, Derek Carr, and granted, Derek Carr is no Aaron Rodgers, but Devontae Adams is clearly not this thing that solves all your problems. Right. And that's not shade to him. That's not calling him overrated or anything like that. I'm just saying that if I'm operating on this assumption that if Aaron Rodgers had Devontae Adams, that Aaron Rodgers would look like Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr should look better than Derek Carr had previously by having uh, Devontae Adams. And that hasn't happened. Like some of this falls on the quarterback. And if they can't get it out of Aaron Rodgers, oh boy, they got problems. You go down there to uh, Los Angeles with the, uh, what's his name, Matthew Stafford um, situation where we came into the year and they told us that he had a bad elbow. We're going to see what it was. But what I didn't realize about the Rams, for a team to have gone to the Super Bowl last year, why have I not heard of more people on your team? On that offense? I don't know who any of those dudes are. Like, look, I don't purport myself to be one of those people that knows every 53-man roster from top to bottom, from 1 to 53. I'm not that dude, right? And I bring that up in the context of talking about offensive line because I have heard of a decent number of offensive linemen. I'm not going to say that I've heard of every offensive lineman. I'm not, you know, that, that would be ridiculous. But you typically are not putting on the screen five players on an offensive line and I don't know who none of them are at all the Rams look like they had a pie eating contest before the game and the top five finishers came into the stadium with their bellies full of pie and five minutes later they were out there supposed to block for Matthew Stafford like, that's what that was. Like, look, man, I ain't even about this gambling life. I think y'all know me in that way. It's not really the bag that I'm in. 
The Rams were five-point favorites against the Cowboys, and I just felt like Las Vegas was just begging all of us to bet on Dallas. Every single one of us, we were being begged to bet on the Cowboys. How in the world could you have seen the Rams against the 49ers on Monday night and thought, hey, this team coming off a short week, yeah, I think they could beat beat basically anybody. But you thought they was going to beat the Cowboys? You thought them five dots of pie eaters that they had blocking for Matthew Stafford? You thought those dudes were going to be able to handle Michael Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence and them other boys? You, I mean, that's what you thought was going to happen? No, nah, that game went just about as it was that I thought that it would go. And so Stafford's got the ball. He doesn't look good. It's not all his fault, obviously. I just told you about the offensive line. They out there throwing the receivers. They got one of them dudes with a bunch of consonants in his name. Man, I ain't never heard of that cat. And I just don't feel like like he's supposed to be a fan favorite. He ain't supposed to be like you know responsible for the offense. Cooper Cup, he the most popular man in town, right? I told you, they out there pumping the ball up to Cooper Cup like he Herschel Walker in 1980. Like, I ain't seen it. I mean, they are not good. Like, I don't, I don't think there's any way around the fact that they are not good. Now, the Cowboys, they are good. They are good. And I want to point something out right fast because I had seen at one point that there was a bit of a cottage industry around trying to create the quarterback controversy with Dak Prescott and Cooper Rush. And a big part of creating that controversy around Cooper Rush is basically it's the Cowboys. You know what I mean? Like, that's what we're going to do. We are going to make something happen there, and Jerry going to encourage us. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's his get down. That's what it's going to be. Okay, cool. However, who's this dude the Patriots are bringing out there? Zappy? Zappy? Went to Houston Baptist from Victoria, Texas. This dude, Zappy. Hey, man. Zappy looked better against the Lions than Mac Jones has looked all year. Do you think there's going to be a quarterback controversy around that? I doubt it because it would kind of be ridiculous, right? That's your first round pick. You go with that. That's the investment that you made. That's the move you make. Okay, cool. I looked up during the Cowboys game early and Fox put the graphic up and they said that the Cowboys were 26th in total offense. 26th in total offense. And people out here was really raising the question as to whether or not Cooper Rush should be the starter on that team. If Dak Prescott was their quarterback and they were 26th in total offense, you would be asking if Dak Prescott should be benched. They have just managed to win these games and good for them. And man, that should be terrifying for everybody else because these cats are out here with Cooper Rush and they winning games. They keep winning games. Like, we are in a situation right now where it's kind of feeling like when I was a youngster, the NFC East looking kind of back, the Eagles still making it happen. The Cowboys got that one loss. The Giants got that one loss. Then the Commandos. They just, they the worst kind of sorry. They just boring sorry, right? Like, they don't even give you nothing to, like, fully laugh at. I mean, Carson, Carson Wentz is fairly chucklesome. But, you know, they just, they just regular sorry. But, no, I'm looking around the league, man. I'm pulling up the standings right now on the phone in front of me. I'm not willing to entertain this possibility that, uh, who you call them? The, the uh, what are they called? The Vikings. Hey, man, like I did first take on Friday, went down to Orlando for an uh, the HBCU week event, thanks to the people who had me out there. 
and there was a question that it didn't wind up on the show, or at least not when I was on it. But they asked, um, the, the, the question was, who do you trust more, the Packers or the Vikings? And as everything I told you about my worries about the Packers, their quarterback ain't Kirk Cousins. I don't know what Kirk Cousins have to do for you to actually get me to trust that he going to be able to get something done, man. The Vikings only got one loss, bro. That's it. They've only got one. Like, this is really going to be one of those NFL seasons where I feel like we're going to be guessing just about all the way through. And here's how you know this is going to be a season where we're going to be guessing all the way through. Um, I have never been as down on Geno Smith as other people. I've also probably never been as high on Russell Wilson as a lot of other people. But if you thought there was a world where unequivocally I would say that Geno Smith has outplayed Russell Wilson. Nah, man. I didn't think that world was here. Like Seattle is not on my list of teams where I don't know if they good or not. I feel pretty confident that they are not good, right? But did I think they would be better than Denver? Did I think their quarterback situation would be better than Denver's? Oh, no. Gabe, you remember when they told us that the AFC West was going to be murderer's row? What happened to that? Uh, what happened to that is we remembered that the Chargers were the Chargers and the Raiders were the Raiders, and Russell Wilson appeared to have gotten old right before our very eyes. How about your squad, your division, the NFC West with the 49ers? They are 3-2 and two in a division where, I mean, I think the 49ers are good. They just got your mans. How you feel about your mans? Not great. Well, <laughs> same as I did before, right? Which was not great. <laughs> But it's got to be wild that you thought you had moved on from it and now it's back. And I wonder, like, for fans, how easy it is to talk yourself back into the idea. I mean, I guess you were one possession away from winning the Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo. But can you really talk yourself back into the idea of Jimmy Garoppolo after you bailed on Jimmy Garoppolo? Because they're going to win that division, right? I don't think there's any question, really, that they're going to win that division. And I've also noticed uh, that your, your fellow faithful being kind of critical of Kyle Shanahan. And I'm like, I'm critical of Kyle Shanahan for some of the things he does with quarterbacks, but he did almost win a Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo. I feel like that means you can coach. Yeah, and got him to the NFC Championship game against the Rams last yeah. year, and that was a close one too. Yeah. My thing with Jimmy, and I wonder this with you guys, like, look, I don't, you know, you try not to be too hard on the body language stuff and everything else, but Jimmy looked like he don't really be tripping on nothing, and I don't mean that in no good way. Right? Like Jimmy throwing them backbreaking interceptions and making them ridiculous plays and everything else. And he looking like, yo, check clear. All right, cool. Huh, just walk off the field. No big deal. Right? I, I, I feel like I can't be the only person that sees this. Like, I just can't. My issue with Jimmy is I just don't understand why everybody's so invested in his success. I can't. It just doesn't make any sense to me. What has he ever done to make people like, like what that is? I keep, and this is my question. I keep hearing people say about Garoppolo, well, uh, we know that he's a winner. Is he the only winner? Because I feel like that team had 50-something people on it. Like, who on that team is a winner and who's not? Do they all get to be winners? Like, like that, 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 whenever this comes up when we talk about a quarterback, because we just put so much onto the quarterback and don't even give no second thought to it. But is Jimmy a winner? He was on teams that won. I need you to identify who else is a winner. And if Jimmy's a winner, who's the loser that made it such that Jimmy the winner couldn't win while he was throwing interceptions with his eyes closed in the Super Bowl. Is that a fair question to ask? Right? Like, do we have to be stupid? That's all I'm saying, right? 
and I admit, this is going to seem somewhat hypocritical, right? But I struggle with the idea of people being winners. Like some people really are, you know, contribute to winning and all of that stuff. And just be like, hey, he's a winner. Yeah, I don't know. But a loser. Oh, I know a loser when I see one. <laughs> like I will definitely and readily identify somebody as being a loser. I know a loser when I see one. And I got to be honest with you. And this is where this all gets hazy. If I told you a dude threw an interception in the Super Bowl with his eyes closed, would you think that sounded like a winner or would you think that sounded like a loser? Because that sounds like loser behavior to me. I say all that to say to bring it all back around. Nope. Outside of the Bills and the Chiefs, I guess the Eagles and maybe the Cowboys, I don't know of anybody any good. As if it matters as to whether or not we're going to watch these damn games. Good, great, otherwise, we just be watching. We're going to do it. We're going to find out. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training, just in time for summer and warmer days. I've been in the gym a little bit trying to get my fitness in check so I can break these skinny allegations I keep getting. Spring is the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering off. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute course session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals while challenging yourself at every level. Now you can catch up on your favorite NBA games with NBA League Pass while you push yourself to new levels of fitness. Watch your favorite games and win your workouts with NBA League Pass on Peloton and visit OnePeloton.com. Peloton all-access membership and NBA League Pass subscription required. All right, so we had one of them things happen last week that because of scheduling things, we kind of had to record out of order. And so on Wednesday evening, Dominique and I recorded our Foxware Friday, and we, you know, happened to talk about Draymond Green and what was going on with him. And then I believe, actually, no, we weren't talking about what we were talking about what was going on with him when it was Friday. We were just kind of talking about the Warriors and getting that whole thing figured out. Then the next day, we find out that Draymond Green was involved in a uh, kerfuffle at practice. And then on Friday, just in time uh, for us to send out the actual podcast, the video gets out and you see Draymond Green slump. Jordan Poole like people raising the question I don't know if he caught him clean yes he did yes 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 Draymond Green caught him clean and so then from there one thing about the way that we like view sports and the way the sports coverage goes is we gonna try to find a way to make this I don't want to say about us because that feels a little bit unfair but into spaces into which we can relate which I think for a lot of people and their observations of what happened with Draymond Green turned out to be a bit of a failure, right? So was it a sucker punch? It wasn't a sucker punch. He walked straight up on him and he pushed him away. Okay, we can get into that. It's fair to say that once Jordan Poole decided to push him away, he needed to recognize that it might have been a fight. Okay, does that really matter, right? 
right? Like landing on the idea, was this a sucker punch? No, that doesn't really matter. Then you got on the other side, the people who come in and make the argument, hey, this is a workplace. You can't behave like this at work and you can't behave like that at work. Their work is just a little bit different, right? Every now and then at their job, people swing on each other. It is not your job. The rules are not supposed to be the same as they are of your job, right? The places where it was relatable is where I think that people kind of like missed it and they were kind of directly in front of you. Okay. Place number one where people missed it. If you were trying to figure out whether or not Jordan Poole said something that merited Draymond Green's reaction, nobody on camera thought that's what happened. Not a single person who was there to hear it thought, oh boy, we got to shut this down. And you got to understand, Jordan Poole, he, he talk a lot. You know what I'm saying? He's that guy, right? He is he 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 is a gum bumper, right? He talks cash. Everybody knows it, okay? Nobody thought that he should have got punched in the face for whatever it was that he said that day. Nobody that was there, nobody said anything afterwards to indicate that. That was your sign right there of what was going on, right? Even people who were around Draymond Green the folks that were his surrogates in effect, right? Doing their back channel talk. My understanding, all of them started with Draymond was wrong, but but that no one left Draymond was gone. It was wrong. Like nobody thought that those were fighting words, okay? So if you're going to make the argument from your crib that maybe those are fighting words or the dude had it coming or whatever it was, nah, man, nah, nah, nah. People are like, yo, man, you know, you got to be ready to fight at all times. No, you don't. Like, I understand why you make the argument that you got to be ready to fight at all times. But I mean, I don't live that life no more. Maybe y'all still live that life. I don't live that life no more. Gabe, that sounds like a lot of energy that you got to expend if you spend it every day just getting ready for somebody to fight you. I just don't like after a certain point in your life, you don't really have that kind of time. Like if you're still doing that, you need to stop like kicking it around such people. Like maybe something happens. You're like, oh, fight fight mode has become stripped off okay we're gonna go for it yeah maybe that man but you know you gotta be you gotta stay ready at all hey hey, i mean we tell jokes about that stuff here but come on man ain't everybody supposed to be ready to fight at all times no 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 that's not really what it was man draymond was wrong now uh my buddy marcus thompson uh from the athletic wrote a couple of very good columns on this but one very 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 good column and the point that he made that i thought takes us into the most relatable space about this is that draymond green is the big homie right draymond green is big brother and so even if jordan Poole says something that he should have got his ass kicked for the responsibility of the big brother or the big homie is even if you put the fear of God into that dude to make sure that he don't do that again, you stop short, right? The point for you is to impart the message. If you want to make it clear that whatever it was was unacceptable, then you make the point that it was unacceptable. But the big brother does not take out the little brother in that space. That's just not how it works. The big homie does not do that to the young fella. 
that's not how that works there are all those ways and that there's a measure of a covenant that he violated within a team and a structure where he is the respected veteran right like he is the respected elder and he broke that and that is something that i would think would have been far more relatable to people except for the fact that don't nobody want to acknowledge or be like well i relate to the little brother here nah 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 because y'all got to be the ones that's out here scrapping it out right y'all got to be the ones that be out here ready to fight all the time y'all the ones that just be stealing off on people because you don't like something they say that's the place every single one of y'all put yourselves in when you were talking about that because quite honestly nobody wants to be the one to relate to the guy that got his ass kicked Nobody does. There's no there's nothing noble about that. There's no there's no there's no real honor in that. There's more honor in the minds of people as being the aggressor than it is being the person on the other side. Right. And I mean, I admit in certain ways, I look at it that way. Like if I see somebody out here getting pumped, I'm like, hey, man, uh, like I'm not about to glamorize the person who got pumped. That's not it don't it don't work that way. Right. There's nothing noble about that. But in this one, Draymond was wrong. And one thing I want to give Draymond credit for is I found his apology to be unequivocal. Right. I did not find his apology with the Kevin Durant stuff to be unequivocal. Right. Like there he was talking the hey, basically the in order to do what I do, I'm going to make mistakes. And sometimes it's going to be mistakes. And this is part of the trade, which is an argument that somebody else is allowed to make about you. You are not allowed to make about yourself. Right. But that was that was the way that he played that. On this one, I found that he was much more straight up and just like, hey, man, you know, I think he said a thing that I was hurting over something and I hurt somebody else as a result. Like, this has got to be rough for Draymond when you really think about it, man. He's declining. The team that he wants to stay with is telling him not at those prices, right? The next generation is right behind him and they come in for his spot and they don't view him with the level of reverence that the rest of the Bay Area does because the rest of the Bay Area ain't trying to get minutes, right? All of this is swirling around. The finals for him, they won the championship, but the finals were embarrassing for him, you know? And so that's got to be rough. And so for me to hear him be up there and just be like, look, man, Jordan Poole's family had to see this. They ain't going to be the same with me again. They're not going to look at me in that same way. They're going to have issues with me. They're going to have problems with me. Like all of these things. I thought that he did that and took that on in a way that deserves a lot of credit, especially if I'm a knock him for the way that he behaved in the first place, because people don't necessarily engage like that. And I do in my own way. I hope that a lot of the people who, you know, hey, man, you got to stay ready that I die and all that stuff. And you want to give, you know, all that stuff over there. Yo, the thing to learn from is really the way Draymond handled that after the fact. Now. Do I think Draymond's going to be on that team all season? I think that's what their hope is. I don't think I would have done that. I'd have tried to get him out of there on opening day. The problem is they need him. They need him. And so this is what I think has got to stink if you're Draymond Green. Because the Warriors are like, look, we just can't keep paying this tax bill that we've been paying. Got you. Makes perfect sense. But the reason that the way we look at Andrew Wiggins is completely different than the way we looked at him before is that he found the only place on earth where somebody could pay you $30 million to be the number four or five option. He didn't get any better than he had ever been. It was just that less was expected of him. And then he slides into that space. Andrew Wiggins makes more money than Draymond Green does, right? And so the Warriors have demonstrated that they will overpay for somebody who can do something very particular for their team, right? They've shown that. 
And they telling Draymond, but not you. But the thing about the Warriors is they didn't sign Wiggins to that contract in the first place. You know what I mean? It was a different place and all that stuff came together or whatever. But he's looking at young dudes who want their minutes and who want their money. And the Warriors got a bunch of old dudes who want their minutes and they want their money. This is going to be a lot to watch and to see how it's managed. And what they needed to get this managed properly was leadership from somebody like Draymond Green. Who going to trust that now? We know you can't be on top of all the news and information of the day. No need for the social media feeds. We got you now, if you haven't heard. All right, Bo, this first story comes from education. President Biden is expected to sign a bill that will finally allow Angela Powell to separate her student loan debt from her ex-husband's. She's one of thousands of borrowers who were left shackled by a federal student loan program that more than a decade ago encouraged married couples to consolidate their loans for a lower interest rate. But the program had a big design flaw. There was no way for borrowers to separate their debts after they had consolidated, even in cases of divorce or domestic abuse. So many of these people are still on the hook for student debt run up by an ex-spouse. This is a relatively small group of borrowers, about 14,000, who were for the most part forgotten. It was a short-lived program. It only ran from 1993 to 2006. And when Congress sunset the program, they didn't take into account that borrowers would want to separate their loans for any reason. This has had wide-ranging consequences. In my reporting, I've talked with borrowers who were victims of domestic violence, had moved across state lines to physically remove themselves from their ex-spouse, but they still had to contact them monthly to make sure that they would make their student loan payments. Some borrowers also can't qualify for loan forgiveness based solely on their type of loan. The move to separate is a big win for student loan borrowers who have been working towards this solution for years. Hey, man. You heard everything that they had to say right there. You know what I'm saying? Um, all that got you. I'm going to let you take in all that information. I normally try to give you some synthesis on the things they're talking about. This is all I'm saying because me and my homeboy were talking about this over the weekend. Whatever you do, no matter what, do not co-sign on nobody's loan ever. Okay. Like, I know that's not really the moral of this story right here. That's not exactly what it was they were talking about, but it kind of relates. In fact, Gabe, that may be next week's voicemail topic. Tell us about that time that you co-signed on somebody's loan and how that went. You can go ahead and start calling in about that now. 860-516-4119. Do not ever co-sign on anybody's loan all you doing is guaranteeing that this is going to ruin your friendship and this is the thing about co-signing on a loan you know how you know that it's a bad idea to co-sign on somebody's loan the fact that they need you to co-sign on their loan right there right like that that's that's they they telling you what they about right there don't co-sign on their loan because then once you co-sign on that loan now you got to do what they was talking about right there i got to call every month and make sure that you put the money down on the loan and that's before we get to talking about some of the horrific examples that they just gave us in there like calling your former your abusive former spouse and having to make sure and you know man people will tank their own credit to ruin yours you know that you know that. And don't let them know that you actually got the money. The game theory says go ahead and let you do it. Do not ever, ever co-sign on nobody's loan that you want to stay friends with. That's all I'm telling you. If you want to stay cool with them, do not co-sign on their loans. 
just 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 help it would be wise of you not to do that like i was thinking about it some of you have heard me tell this story before somehow it came up over the weekend me and my buddy joel were talking about this but you remember that time i told y'all about a dude that i used to be cool with who called me one day in 2004 to borrow 200 dollars, and then i did not hear from him for many 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 years and then when i heard from him or i hit him up I said something about the fact that he didn't give me the money. And he said, you really think that the reason you haven't heard from me is because of the money? The last thing you did was ask me for my account number and I never got the money and I never heard from you again. And then Buddy told me, well, if you must know, since we talked, I gave my life to Christ. And I'm like, did you give Christ my $200? That's the that asked you to co-sign on their loan. Like, that's what I'm saying. That's who they are. Don't be, co we got more topics. We got more news. We got more news. Gave your money to God. <sighs> Tithing. You should have only gave him 20. It's 10%. All right, this next one comes from Health. Earlier this week, I reported on an outbreak of a highly pathogenic avian flu in North America. The scientists I spoke to described it as historic and said it is unprecedented in size and scale. And they say it could disrupt our food supply as commercial farms get infected and entire flocks are put down. First spotted last December on our continent, in the Canadian provinces of Labrador and Newfoundland, this flu has already marched south and west, reaching California this past July. In its wake are 50 million dead birds. Wild birds like vultures are dying in mass, while commercial flocks are being euthanized across the country. These kinds of flus are new to North America. For years, HPI, as researchers call it, that's an acronym for the highly pathogenic avian influenza, was really only found in Asia, it would appear, Thousands of birds would die or would be culled, and that it would disappear, and this would happen sporadically. Then, in 1996, something changed, and it just started to linger, flaring here and there, even on occasion passing to people, although mostly only those who worked or lived closely to birds. Then in 2004, everything changed. It jumped from poultry to waterfowl, and suddenly, wild birds began dying in droves. Then in 2014, it showed up for the first time in the United States. It had never been in North America before. In 2021, a new version showed up in Europe. It's being called the most damaging outbreak to have ever hit that continent. As a USGS scientist said to me, Europe is a year ahead on this thing, so if we want to know where we're going, we just need to look at what's happening there. And they say the infections are five-hold higher than they were at this time last year. So as birds begin their southern migration from the Arctic, wildlife officials and researchers in the U.S. and across North America are bracing themselves for a scourge. Already, dead birds are showing up along the California coast and further inland. So what they say is, if you have a backyard flock or if you feed wild birds with a bird feeder, keep an eye out for infections and let your local wildlife agency know if you see any dead birds. All right, I just want to throw this out here right fast. Please don't have sex with birds. Like, I feel like every time, that, you know, one of these, like, outbreaks comes up, somebody raises the theory that maybe somebody has sex with an animal and then all of a sudden people started catching it. Um... I don't know if y'all be doing that with birds, but I just feel like better safe than sorry. I'm just going ahead and put it out there. Don't be having sex with birds. Number two, um, there's a really good documentary that HBO did. I think it won a bunch of uh, Emmys and all of this uh, on George Carlin. I recommend that you check it out, um, especially if you are a content creator that, you know, believes in a certain substance or ethos in your work. It give you a lot of things to think about. Carlin had this routine in the early 90s where he's talking about like Earth Day and all of that stuff. And, you know, we need to save the planet and his frustration with the idea that we need to save the planet. And the reason he was frustrated with it is he was like, look, 
save the planet. Look at all the things that the planet has been through in these billions of years. He's like, yo, the planet, the planet's going to be just fine. It's us that's got a problem, right? This planet going to keep on spinning and it'll do whatever it does. Maybe it'll be an ice age. Maybe it'll be a fire age. Who's to say what it's going to be? But this planet going to go. It's us that are not going to have anywhere to live, right? It is us that are going to be stuck like Chuck trying to figure out how to make this happen. And that's what I think every time I hear one of these stories about the way the world is going, right? Like what's going on with these birds or whatever, man, it might kill every bird in the world and the planet going to keep on spinning, right? We need to save ourselves. We need to work on saving these birds too, right? The birds do a lot to help us. Like that's the thing about it. It's, it's, it's you know, it's a very self-interested sort of thing that I'm discussing here. But man, if we don't hurry up and start saving ourselves, we are doomed. And what'll doom us even faster is if y'all get out here and start having sex with birds. Don't do that. All right, so this last one comes from politics. We weren't able to uh, secure our last guest. Uh, they weren't able to join us for the show today. So I figured I'd do it myself. Um, this last story is about robocalls. So the FCC, Federal Cha- Federal Communications Commission, is threatening to block calls from voice providers that have yet to take meaningful action against illegal robocalls. So the FCC announced that they're beginning the, re- the process of removing providers from the agency's robocall mitigation database for failing to fully implement protocols into their networks. If the companies fail to meet these requirements over the next two weeks, compliant providers will be forced to block their calls. Providers that don't follow the rules and make it easy to scam consumers are going to face swift consequences. It's becoming apparent that fines alone aren't enough. So says FCC chairwoman Jessica Rosenworkel. Uh, in a in a statement, so I've been getting a lot of robocalls over the last few years. That is significantly ticked up. I'm interested in your thoughts on this, Bo. Yeah, that's funny because I have not really um been getting them, and I think where I live, I think it's more likely that I would get them during the primary than it would be approaching a general election. You know, because I mean, New York is fairly partisan in that regard. Like the real fight, like look. The national election comes around and whatever they list is says he black. Uh Lee Z, whatever, I can't remember his name. He ain't calling me, right? Like they he don't feel like this is a fight that he is ultimately um going to win. What I have always wondered with the robocalls is like who be hearing them out? Like, like who is the person that gets that call and is like, hey, hey, keep it down, keep it down, keep it down, man. They're giving me very important information about this election. I and mean, if somebody clearly is doing it, because otherwise I don't think they'd invest this energy in it. Somebody clearly is making this move. I am just very curious who it is that does this because there's never any point that I get one of those calls and I'm just like, and it starts going and I'm like, oh, no, no, keep going, keep going. I don't care what it is that they say. Like my inclination is if I can't remember what day or what precinct or whatever it is, I'm gonna go Google that thing up. But I am so skeptical of anybody whose number is not saved in my phone already that I'm just not believing you. And please don't leave me a voicemail. Oh, goodness. I don't know when I'm going to get around to that. So like, I just every time this stuff comes up and they do the robocall stuff and it's so inconvenient to everybody, 
I just want to know who the person is that is like, man, I'm so glad I got that robocall. I don't know what I would have done without it. Maybe there's that person that exists. I just feel like we need to talk to that person a little bit more. Find out some things about them. Because I, do you know that person, Gabe? Because I don't. I don't. I mean, what's interesting about it is it says that like that some of the major carriers had implemented like technology to verify the authentic authenticity of incoming calls like a couple of years ago. So it's kind of more some of the smaller carriers. But at least like I know like on my phone I can set silence unknown callers. So that helps quell some of it, but then I'll like go and check and it's like, you missed three phone calls today. You missed five phone calls today. Yeah. And like my life, I can't silence like unknown callers. Like, unfortunately, it could be anybody calling me and they might be calling me to give me some money. Like, like, like this is, this is a thing of my life. And like, I fight to protect my phone number so close, but every now and then I do want somebody to call me up about some money. Our voicemails are brought to you by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. Hey, this is Bomani. You have reached the right time voicemail. Say whatever you want. Get creative with it. But this is your place to talk back to the show. So talk back. Peace. All right, Bo. Voicemail time. Did you come up with the topic for today based off of the Draymond thing? I don't think I did. No, we didn't because we did it before the Draymond thing. It was just like, oh, wow, we're in the middle of the show and I haven't come up with a topic yet. Let me go back to the well. But it's a well that is always full of watery goodness. (laughs) So the topic for today's voicemails is that time you tried to fight your old man. So that's why I thought we had some Draymond and Jordan Uh, Poole connection there. I see. Um, we got some good ones. Our first one comes from Xavier in Colorado Springs. Here it is. I did not attempt to try my dad. Not at all. Um, my dad looks like Mike Singletary, all right, to the point where people will stop us everywhere when he was the coach for the uh, Niners and be like, are you Mike Singletary? Just imagine that stare and that gaze. And uh, I was about 15, 16 years old. And I knew before my dad, military, 24 years, I knew not to try it. You know, I got punched in my chest a couple times. I knew it. But, you know, 15, 16, you know, I'm getting bigger. He's 5'8". I was probably 5'11 at the time, and he just got married. And I wasn't really adjusting to his wife just yet. And so in the mornings, oh, he converted his life over. He was a, he was a pastor and everything like that. And she's a sweet lady. And um, just being an a-hole, you know, she told me good morning in the morning. And I walked past her and I went straight to the car because my dad was just going to, uh, <clears throat> I was waiting for my dad because he was going to drop me off at school. As soon as he got in the car, he said, Xavier, I love you. But if you ever disrespect my wife again, I will beat you like a grown man. And all that getting buck and everything like that stopped in my heart. And every morning after that, it was good morning because I did not want those problems. Peace. Yeah, no, no, no. That's an important moment in a young man's life. The first time that your daddy does not refer to her as your mama and refers to her as my wife. You learn a whole lot about the dynamics of the lives we live right then and there. And that's what he said. My wife, like, oh, okay, cool. So, like, you know, you've learned this part already. 
you might want to warn your sons about this in advance, actually, like before it actually gets there is that if it gets to the point where I got to call your mama my wife, you probably done gone too far or we done seen somebody go too far. Either way it goes, you about to get that ass whooped. You don't want it. All right, this next one comes from Nuster in Maryland. Here it is. Hey, Bo, this is a story about a time that I thought about growing up with my dad, but I didn't. And so a uh, little background about what was going on. I was about 16, 17, playing baseball. Thought I was, you know, in the best shape of my life. And, you know, this thought started creeping in. Can I, can I take on my dad? You know, he's getting older. I'm in peak physical form or so I thought. A uh, little thing about my dad is he cleans carpets for a living. And I don't know if you're familiar with the machinery that is required to clean carpets, but let's just say it is very heavy. I didn't really take that into consideration. Uh, however, one day, my dad is doing some work around the house, and he needs to move the refrigerator. You know, my uncle lives two doors down. I'm assuming, hey, he's going to call my uncle. They're going to move the refrigerator together. I can maybe help him out, too. Nope. He moved it all by himself with everything still in it. Whole refrigerator by himself. All the food supplies for the week inside that refrigerator. Needless to say that my 135-pound frame at 17 years old is not going to take on that gentleman. And from that moment on, I realized there is absolutely no way I'm fighting my dad ever. Man, Nestor was talking about his peak physical form. I was not expecting that to coincide with 135 pounds. I weighed more than 135 pounds in high school. Yeah, no, no, I, I can't believe the thought ever got in your mind. Number one, he's right about that carpet cleaning equipment. That looked like something you need core strength to handle, right? Like that, like what your dad probably could really do was what he demonstrated with that refrigerator. Pick stuff up and throw it, right? And that would be you. Like you can't throw the refrigerator because it'll bang up and break the refrigerator. That would be the point of throwing your little ass. That was exactly what Pops would have showed up for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do imagine that you see that moment where you see that grown man do something and you realize it could be you, right? Like if you, like I imagine it might be like if you watch somebody with very, very large hands uh, open a jelly jar. You see that hand take that top off and you realize, oh man, that could be me. No thanks. No thanks. Nesta, I'm glad you learned before it was an issue. Because yeah, I guess see it, picking up a refrigerator by himself by himself his daddy probably walk around with that do the weightlifting with the superstar billy graham weightlifting belt like that's the thing you want a sign that you don't want to mess with that mess with pops dude that got that leather weightlifting belt and he done had it for 40 years he's been tossing dudes out the club forever all right this last one the guy didn't leave his name but he's from brenham texas here it is hey bo so i'm from brenham i was born there like right outside of houston um we moved a lot back and forth between Houston and uh, and Brenham, but this is one of the times that we moved away from our spot over on 1960 over in that area, and we moved back to Brenham, and uh, I was there, senior basketball team, about 6'1", 200 pounds, you know, kind of feeling myself. And uh, if you know back in the 2000, early, early, uh, or, excuse me, late 1990s, uh, you know, phone line was a big thing. So 
I decided one day that, hey, I have a little job. I'm going to install my own phone line in my pop's house. So I got the phone line installed when, you know, he's at work, mom's at work. Got the phone line all installed. And uh, he comes back and he's like, hey, um, you know, what's going on? What, what, is this, what is this line in your room? And I'm like, hey, man, I got one installed because I got, you know, kind of tired of mom's, you know, Back then, mom would listen to your calls if you wanted to while you're trying to match. Mom be listening to you. And so he's like, nah, you don't have people coming to my house when I'm not here and I'm not aware of it. And, you know, I'm, you know, feeling myself a little bit. I got my job. I'm like, man, I'm paying for it. Like, it's it's not costing you a thing. So, you know, we kind of get into a little talking back and forth. And mind you, my dad is the most calm, nice person in the world, the quiet ones that you, the quiet ones, they say you gotta watch out for the quiet ones. Never, never even flinch as cool as a cucumber. So, we, we get in our little talk or whatever. I go in my room thinking I'm mad and, uh, kind of telling you how old I am. I pick up this, uh, instant camera that I have. I throw it, bounces off the ground, hits the window. And I'm like, oh, sh-. And so as soon as I turn around, He's there like one of those dudes in a vampire movie where they just, they flash and all of a sudden you turn around, they're there, grabs me by the throat, picks me up. Mind you, I'm 200 pounds with one hand, picks me up against the wall and say, you don't break stuff in this house. Hey, man, me and my pops have been best friends ever since. That was a trip down memory lane for me on every level, right? Like, number one, we used to play against Brennan in high school right in that time period. Like, as he's describing himself... I'm trying to look back and be like, dang, I wonder if I, you know, if I seen this dude play or whatever it is, right? The the get your own phone line game, man. That was a huge one when people could get themselves in that position where they had their own phone lines, right? Like all of that. These things, the young boys don't really know nothing about. But most of them at some point gonna learn about that snatch by the throat because you went just a little bit too far thinking you ran things in a house where you did not run a thing at all. And on that one, One that was a disagreement that a youngster may not quite understand, but pops would, which is, hey, man, you just can't be having anybody in my house at any old time. And you're like, it's my house, too, because they be lying to you, right? Like, it's all of our houses. Not unless you pay the note, right? Not unless you pay the bill. Pops was not having that. Oh, wow. That made my day. Thank you, uh, my man from Brenham, Texas, home of Bluebell Ice Cream and uh, Blinn College. And the Brenham Cubs. Forgot about that. That's that's that, that's what they are, the Brenham Cubs. But all right, ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on The Right Time. We do this three times a week. Gabe Bassain handing everything behind the scenes. Thank you, sir. Um, also, thank you to our If You Haven't Heard contributors. Thanks to Suzanne Rust of the LA Times. Check out her story about the, blue, the bird flu getting to Southern California. Thanks to Sequoia Carrillo of NPR. Check out her story on a big win for people who had student loan debt and some ways they can now get around that. Um, all right, remember, follow the right time. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars, I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. And we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Take it easy. Thanks for checking out The Right Time with Bomani Jones Podcast. You can listen or follow on the ESPN app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Right Time with Bomani Jones.